Welcome to the Dr. J Show with your host, Dr. J Herrera, DPT. Dr. J is a doctor of physical therapy and has dedicated himself to helping people like you reach your peak potential in health, wellness, and fitness using science-based physical therapy principles. To learn more, please go to drjherrera.com. The content contained in this show is for informational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Please consult a qualified healthcare professional for individual health or medical advice. Dr. J. Herrera, show participants, and or Herrera Research Institute, LLC, are not liable for damages claimed by the listener. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Today we're going to talk about a potential sensitive subject. Uh, The other day I was doing some reading, some research, and I came across this blog article on one of my uh, professional uh, uh, peers, one of my professional colleagues. And his background was initially in um, the personal training and health uh, fitness, uh, uh, health and fitness industry. So he was a personal trainer uh, for many years and then went on to PT school and and, uh, um, is now a physical therapist. One of the statements, uh, the, the article that I was reading, by the way, was very, very well done, very well written. I, I'm not going to mention his names. I, I'm not going to do a link to the, his uh, article just because it's not the point of this podcast, but it was a catalyst for me to have uh, this discussion with you today. So this discussion primarily is the, the audience that this is for is for the health, health and fitness consumer as well if you're a fitness professional. So if you're a personal trainer listening, this is for you as well. Um, there, there is a, a back to this this peer's article. He uh, discussed how um, there were some concerns within the physical therapy industry and how there's some oppression there, and I, I totally agree with that. And I agree that um, there have we have some issues from a legislative standpoint because it's such a controlled um, field. You know, you have to be light, you have to first graduate and then be licensed, and it can take seven to eight years to to, to go through the entire process of becoming a doctor of physical therapy. And then um, now, you, and, and then you also have to sit for the for the board exam, in uh, uh, for the state, and pass that. And then you're going to be licensed. And when you're a licensed professional, especially in healthcare, and that's that's you have a lot of strict uh, legislative guidelines. And physical therapy is is in the midst of a very um, heated battle debate from a legislative point of view. We're trying to advance our profession. We want to be autonomous. We want to have direct access to patients, which I think as doctors of our profession, we deserve that right to to be that. So we're in a, a major transition period of our profession, which will probably in 50 to 100 years, it's not. It, we're going to look back on this time frame and study it in PT school about, oh, in, in the early 2000s, uh, this is how things looked. <laughs> so um, we're going through a major transition. And all this is happening behind the scenes. You know it if you're a professional, a physical therapy professional. Uh, you know what's going on. Um, if you're a layman, just a healthcare and fitness consumer, you're probably not aware of what's going on. And that's okay. Um, we're, we're battling for the right to serve you better, basically, uh, and uh, if you're for, for, for the consumer. Okay, but back to the article. The the article talked, uh, because of his background, the author's background as a fitness professional first, he obviously had a very strong bias towards phys- uh, the fitness professional um, being able to um, provide um, a very beneficial, play a very strong and impact uh, uh, and beneficial role in the recovery process of diseased individuals and dysfunction individuals after they have gone through um, a, a, a medical management um, and physical therapy or rehab management 
and then have, have now been discharged from our care. And now you're going in, now that individual is going into the, uh, um, uh, basically being able to be on their own to, to continue their fitness and wellness management. Okay. And I would say that initially, uh, probably about 10 years ago, I, I disagreed with that 100%. I didn't feel like the, the personal trainers had any business uh, working with individuals that had residual or ongoing deficits, like uh, uh, stroke recovery or if you had a joint replacement or uh, a knee surgery where they did a scope management to help with cartilage. Um, if you had back surgery or back pain um, and you have a disc disease, for example, lumbar disc disease, I didn't feel like personal trainers had any business um, um, getting involved in working with these individuals because of, of my own personal experience, I would see many things that seemed very um, unhealthy and, and inappropriate uh, going on with personal training sessions within the gyms that I've been, been to. And I've been belonged to gyms for the last 20 years. And as I progressed with my education, I became more aware uh, of these potential issues that I would see and um, how these trainers would be working with uh, individuals, and uh, it just seemed very dangerous what they were doing a lot of the time. Now, um, my, my position has softened, honestly, the last, um, the last year or so, because what we're seeing is we're seeing a major transition uh, with the baby boomers coming to of Medicare age. Um, and starting uh, the last couple of years, and it's going to be we, we basically according to, depending on the the source you that you go with, it's between seven and ten thousand people per day um, of baby boomers becoming Medicare age, and it's going to continue to have that kind of load on the system for the next um, probably eighteen to twenty years. Okay, so what we have is we have a lot, a lot, a lot of people coming into the system. Uh, and there's not the, the supply, um, the ability of, say, physical therapy to intervene and hope these individuals is going to be limited because we do have these legislative restrictions um, on many states for physical therapists to have direct access to these patients or fitness clients. Okay? So my position now is to be basically an advocate of personal trainers and fitness professionals uh, becoming better uh, suited and better qualified to work with fitness clients that have basically a, a disease or dysfunction, okay? Uh, so back to that blog article and the author's position that uh, what, where I take opposition with him is that he said that physical therapists are not as qualified as personal trainers to oversee an exercise implementation and exercise progression toward maximum performance, and like say sports performance, and I thought that was ludicrous, and I thought that, uh, and I was going to respond to him, and I, I, I probably will continue to respond to him. I'll reach out to him and establish a, a hopefully an open dialogue where we can debate this because I don't, I just don't see how, where he's coming from that, and he's a physical therapist, so he should know. He's a doctor of physical therapy, so he should know about the education process more closely. I feel very comfortable uh, managing a fitness client and implementing a exercise program for them to take them from basically a starting point, uh, a middle point, and an end point where they have maximum performance to their potential. Uh, that's what I do uh, on a daily basis. Yes, it's with a patient. Uh, it's a patient with a disease process or some type of physiological dysfunction that I'm working to, to rehabilitate. But at, at, at the, the, I'm, yes, I'm rehabilitating them, but I'm also progressing them toward their maximum fitness potential. 
Okay, now when I when I'm fit, when I have to discharge them due to Medicare budget limitations or their insurance budget limitations, um, and then they can no longer continue to work with me, uh, they have a very strong per, very strong starting point towards reaching their maximum potential. So uh, from a fitness standpoint. And um, I always educate them and encourage them to continue to self-manage, continue to progress their fitness and, and wellness levels uh, so that they can hopefully prevent uh, ongoing disease process or, or limit the uh, recurrence of the, say, pain of the back or shoulder or neck um, and have a healthy heart and lung for as long as possible. So I, I had issues with that, and I think I'm starting to see the fitness industry, the personal trainer industry, is becoming more involved and more um, discussed in open circles with regard to what role can they play in preventing and managing disease processes and populations. And since there's going to be so many people, so many people coming into the um, health and fitness and, and, and wellness industry just because of the aging process, and as we age, we just tend to have more breakdown and disease processes correlate. That it's important that we that we 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 do our best to work with the fitness professionals because whether I like it or not, there my my discharged patients are going to be seeing you fitness professionals out there. They're gonna you, and you're going to be seeing them. They're going to be coming into your fitness uh, gyms and and uh, locations, uh, trying to continue their progression. And I think that it, that it's it's worth having a, a constructive discussion on how best we can help and facilitate that. And what I would like to do is, is have open programs where I'm working with local uh, fitness professionals to um, at least offer my, my discharging patient an option to continue to um, work towards their fitness goals long term. Because it's a lifelong endeavor. It really is. Here's where I have some um, obstacles. And it's hard for me to, to overcome these obstacles right now because... While there's a structured formal education process to become a licensed physical therapist who is qualified to oversee exercise programs in the healthy and unhealthy, okay, we're primarily used for the unhealthy to rehabilitate. We're used in that capacity, but we have the education to work with individuals that are quote-unquote unhealthy uh, and have been restored past uh, uh, rehabilitation phases, okay? But we're not readily used in that capacity, so you don't really see much of that uh, happening in the industry. My concern with the personal training industry is that there's not a standardized education process. Um, you have certifications, and there's many types of certifications, and um, fit, fitness certifications to be a, a, a certified personal trainer, and, and there are some that have been around for, seems like, 50 years or so, and there are some that are uh, newer ones that are, in a lot, that are relatively young in the last five or 10 years. Basically, you can, be, you can have, not have a college degree and, be, and become a, a certified personal trainer. And I think if you're working with disease populations, which the majority of people that walk through you, the, the, the gym doors, there's going to be some type, of disease population, uh, some type of disease or dysfunction of their body that they're dealing with. They, they may not be symptomatic, but they may become symptomatic in the, in the future or the near future and, or may become symptomatic uh, by doing the fitness endeavors themselves. So the question is, is a personal trainer qualified? Uh, are they qualified to perform uh, movement dysfunction uh, tests? like the physical therapist is, and other healthcare professionals are. And I would argue that, that the, the, right now my, my position is no, that it's not. And that's why we need to have a closer working relationship between the, the physical therapy um, prof, uh, profession and industry and the personal trainer industry so that hopefully we can have a good enough working relationship where there's an open loop of 
when the personal trainer maybe identifies as someone is having pain symptoms or having potential movement issues and pathology that they refer to the physical therapist to manage that. And then consequently, when, when, when the patient is managed and hopefully uh, improved and healed and, and, the, that, and the, the dysfunction is removed if possible and the patient is discharged, then they refer the patient back to the fitness um, professional to continue to help work on their fitness, uh, fitness endeavors, fitness goals. And I think that's more of a constructive, realistic relationship than, um, than uh, not having these patients properly managed. And if you're a personal trainer out there, uh, you might have a, a very strong opinion one way or the other on this. You may agree with me, you may disagree with me, but uh, you know the physical therapist goes through many years of education to do what they do. The, the medical doctor goes through many years of education to do what they do, so, so on and so forth, with the chiropractor, the nurse practitioner, the physician assistant, to be able to address movement pathology. The, to me, the, the physical therapist is, is the optimal individual to address pathology, movement dysfunction and pathology, and to rehabilitate and treat that and to restore, hopefully, a normal, healthy balance of function for the individual. Um, the the uh, concern is, is how, are, how can the personal trainer improve their ability to be more qualified? Well, I think that, that there needs to be a standardized education process. I think that that if you're a personal trainer and you don't have an undergraduate degree, that I think you'll be better positioned in the marketplace not only now but in the future if you can secure a bachelor's degree in an exercise science or exercise science-related field. Okay, doesn't uh, many um, universities offer exercise science itself as a as a as a formal study, uh, or there's kinesiology, um, uh, biomechanics, uh, and those uh, anatomy and physiology. So you have those. Uh, movement uh, or body structure and actually science related fields to just to to take and specialize in and I think that having the four-year degree bachelor's degree in that is probably going to position you in a stronger way than even your personal training certification and I think from a healthcare consumer if you're uh, just a general fitness consumer that if you're able to find someone that has that at least a bachelor's degree in exercise science uh, then I think you'll be uh, in a better position um, to work with that individual who may have a better awareness, uh, especially if you do have a chronic disease process like diabetes or you've had a joint replacement or you've had joint surgery, something along those lines, Hi- hypertension, uh, cardiac issues, uh, lung issues like COPD um, or emphysema. So I think we need to have uh, these open discussions in a more in-depth way and figure out a way where we can, as, as um, health professionals, we can feel more comfortable and confident working with fitness professionals and so that we can all just uh, um, do a better job for the health and fitness client. Um, and I hope that makes sense. I hope that, uh, that, I'm, that you're understanding that I'm supporting in the fitness industry, that, I, that I'm not opposing it, I'm supporting it and I'm, I'm advocating for it. I just think we need to make some, some adjustments to the fitness industry and how, how you're dealt with by society and how you're dealt with. Because um, I, 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 it's easy to, to feel confident that you can manage um, patients that, say, have knee replacements or had a stroke or have heart surgeries. And it's easy to feel like you're, you're comfortable managing that. But if you don't know what you don't know, how can you, how can you feel comfortable 100% of the time? Because... 
it's um, you know I uh, going through extensive formal education. I I've been exposed to a lot of pathology and and medical sciences, health sciences, and um, I don't know everything, but I know enough to know that um, you know there there that, that I do have limitations. That there are, are cases where are beyond my scope, and I need to refer out and be very very gentle and delicate with certain cases if I'm not uh, if I don't have the capacity to properly work with that individual. So I, I really hope that this podcast has made sense. I hope that it uh, has been a catalyst for maybe constructive discussion on how the fitness industry and the health industry can better come together to better serve patients and patients who will also be future fitness clients. And I hope that in having this discussion that we can open better communicative pathways between physical therapists, for example, and personal trainers. So I do have a number of physical therapy colleagues who um, off the record will say that they will not send patients to a personal trainer because of the lack of education or the perceived lack of education um, and uh, formal education background of the personal trainer. That the certification, personal training certification, just is not enough for them to feel comfortable working or sending a patient to continue working with them um, and hope and know that they're going to be safe. But it's also not not the fitness professionals. Um, fitness trainers fault. You, your society hasn't mandated that you have a formalized education uh, uh, process, that you haven't had a formal study process established so that uh, the, the industry can be better supervised and managed and have people, for, for every person, for every personal trainer that's, that's uh, maybe um, frowning at me right now, maybe you are very qualified and very um, able and capable of working with someone who has been discharged from the health system, the rehab system. I, I, I challenge you to consider that maybe you have some colleagues or peers that maybe you can't vouch for that you would be concerned about, say, your grandmother who, who lives in another state where you're not with them, who had a knee replacement, has been discharged from physical therapy um, and is about three months uh, out of uh, removed from surgery time, has been discharged from physical therapy and is trying to go to the gym and you can't be there to manage them yourself so you know, they, they go seek a fitness uh, professional's consultation, would you be 100% be confident that your grandmother would be well taken care of knowing that there's a discrepancy of education processes out there for fitness professionals? At least with the physical therapy profession, you know that if that person has is licensed, that there's a, a, a minimum competence that they've had to demonstrate in being able to take care of, of a disease uh, or dysfunctional individual. So I hope this has made sense, and I hope that uh, you, you can have this be a catalyst for, for internal thought and reflection. Hey, if you have any comments or concerns or questions, feedback for me, good or bad, whatever it is, uh, please head over to my website at drjherrera.com and uh, uh, send me an email. Um, you can also send an email directly at support at drjherrera.com. And uh, I, I'm, I'm always open to having discussion. Um, I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. Um, I may have strong opinions about certain things, but that doesn't mean that I have all the answers to everything, obviously. So I, I want to learn and expand myself, and I want to do a better job at taking care of my um, my patients and my loved ones and my family and for future generations. So um, I hope this has been helpful to you. And I do thank you for, for listening. For more free articles, audios, and videos, please go to www.drjherrera.com. That's D-R-J-A-Y-H-E-R-R-E-R-A. 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. This is Dr. Jay Herrera thanking you for listening to today's podcast, and I'm wishing you healthy, pain-free living.